Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Alphabet's third quarter earnings did not sit well with investors. Environmentalists are pretty unhappy with the European Union's plan for hydrogen projects, and the head of the United Nations is adding to the pressure for Israel to stop bombing Gaza. Plus, the FT's Arjun Neil Alam says that companies are looking for help with geopolitical issues. Why? Well, the bad news is that the world over the last 30 years has become a much more unstable place. You have Ray Dalio of Bridgewater saying this week that he sees the likelihood of a global hot war at 50%. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Investors took Alphabet's earnings report with a glass-half-empty sort of approach. Google's parent company said yesterday that its cloud division narrowly missed sales forecasts, but Alphabet did say advertising revenue did better than expected in the third quarter. Wasn't enough to stop Alphabet's shares from falling 6% in after-hours trading, though. Microsoft had a better day. It said its cloud computing platform beat estimates, Investors were all glass full on that one, and Microsoft's share price jumped about 5% after the bell. The European Union's strategy for cutting carbon emissions is moving in the wrong direction. That's according to environmental campaigners. They say a list of priority energy projects that the commission is discussing today amounts to a, quote, wish list for oil and gas majors. Alice Hancock covers energy and climate policy in Brussels for the FT. She joins me now. Hey, Alice. Hey, Mark. All right. So first of all, what is the list of priority energy projects that campaigners are referring to? So the list of priority projects is called the Projects of Common Interest List, and it's um, selected every two years. And these are projects that are considered crucial to the EU's energy infrastructure for energy security. And following a revision of the criteria in 2022, they are also got to be projects that will help decarbonize and help the bloc meet its climate targets and decarbonization goals. Energy campaigners, though, they seem pretty upset with a lot of the projects. What's making them so unhappy? So the issue that the environmental campaigners have is that half of the roughly 150 projects being considered are for hydrogen, which in many ways is great. Hydrogen is going to be a key energy carrier for industries like steel and chemical production. But the problem is that hydrogen is also very unproven at the moment. We're not exactly sure how the infrastructure can be built and like if you can change current gas infrastructure to be used for hydrogen in a cost-effective way uh, because hydrogen molecules are very different to gas molecules. So their fear is that on this list, there are all these projects which are proposing to change current gas infrastructure into ultimately hydrogen infrastructure. Their argument is that this is basically allowing gas companies to continue using their gas infrastructure for as long as they want in the promise that one day, in some lovely future, it'll be used for hydrogen. I see. So if not hydrogen projects, what are the alternatives that campaigners want to see? 
Well, their argument is that, you know, more should be focused on electrolyzers, which is for the actual production of hydrogen, rather than gas pipelines that could maybe become hydrogen pipelines. They'd also like to see more on grids, um, interconnectors from offshore wind farms, you know, better sort of concentration on getting renewable power off the ground. So Alice, just how significant is this list of hydrogen projects compared to the EU's already existing energy strategy? These projects are, you know, seen as the big strategic projects for the EU. So it is significant and it means handing out billions of euros of subsidies in some cases to some of these projects. It also gives a bit of a signal to the industries about which sort of technologies the officials think are the key technologies for the future. In other ways, yesterday, the commission put out a package designed to sort of boost the wind sector in Europe, which is seen to be having a really tough time. And it wants to make sure that what was once a jewel of a European industry, which is now struggling, is given the proper attention. So the commission really is pushing on all fronts. Alice Hancock covers energy and climate policy in Brussels for the FT. Thanks, Alice. Yeah. The UN Secretary General had some harsh words for Israel yesterday. I'm deeply concerned about the clear violations of international humanitarian law that we are witnessing in Gaza. Even war has rules. Antonio Guterres spoke on Tuesday during a meeting of the UN Security Council. He said that the safety of civilians was the most important thing. The relentless bombardment of Gaza by Israeli forces, the level of civilian casualties, and the wholesale destruction of neighborhoods continue to mount and are deeply alarming. Guterres called on Israel to halt its strikes in Gaza. EU leaders are also expected to call for a pause in hostilities later this week. At this critical hour, I appeal to all to pull back from the brink before the violence claims even more lives and spreads even further. Thank you very much. Meanwhile, the U.S. and other Western allies are growing more concerned that Israel doesn't have an exit strategy. Palestinian authorities say that around 6,000 people have died in Gaza. Israeli authorities say that roughly 1,400 people died in Hamas's attack on October 7th, and more than 200 are still being held hostage. The world is a risky, dangerous place right now, and that has businesses searching for advice. More and more, they're turning to what would otherwise be some unusual experts, like former diplomats. Here to talk about how companies are navigating this new world is the FT's Arjun Neil Allen. Hi, Arjun. Hey again, Mark. Okay, so what are some of the risks companies are navigating right now? Well, the bad news is that the world over the last 30 years has become a much more unstable place. You have Ray Dalio of Bridgewater saying this week that he sees the likelihood of a global hot war at 50%. This is led by the wars in the Middle East that we're seeing, the first land war in Europe in 50 years. You have these supply chain tensions between China and the US, China and Taiwan. Meanwhile, companies have become more globalized, especially Western companies. You know, in the past, you might have had your back office in the same country as your front office, which might be the country you do most of your sales. But now so many more companies have become diversified across the world. Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind when you you say that is companies de-risking or decoupling from China. We talk a lot about that on the show. So who exactly are companies calling for help on these issues? 
Well, they're looking at former public sector officials, so diplomats, foreign service officials, former spies, people who've had experience on the front lines of geopolitics and are now looking for you know, a slightly cushier role in the private sector. Some types of companies have always done this. The oil and gas sector is a good example. These are companies that operate in often dangerous parts of the world or unstable parts of the world, for example, the Middle East, West Africa, parts of Latin America. What's new is that different types of companies are thinking about this now. For example, construction companies. So one person I spoke to was Ryan Maybach, the CEO of Barton Mallow, which is a 3,000-person construction company in the US. It's not necessarily the company you would think is the most concerned about geopolitics, but Ryan himself told me, you know, it's fair to say the state of the world went from relative stability and order to far less stable. And this disruption definitely has implications for business. Arjun, the companies that you talk to, people like Ryan from Barton Mallow, how are they viewing this shift towards greater awareness of geopolitical risk? Are the wars in Ukraine and now in Gaza just blips? Or is this type of thing something more permanent? From my reporting, it sounded like companies across the world are seeing this as a shift towards a more unstable world. And that means that companies really have to start thinking carefully about their exposure in their supply chains, in their target markets, or anything else. And it it is linked to the end of US hegemony. So this is something companies are taking very seriously. As countries are less confident in the US-led order. And speaking to the CEO of, you know, a mid-cap public company that does 90% of its business in the US, who told me, you know, he's thinking very carefully about geopolitics. He worked with a geopolitical advisor to map out, you know, the impact of a crisis on his business. I think that was really, really interesting because it, sh- it, it really did hit home the fact that it's not just asset managers and oil companies that think about this now. Arjun Neil Allen covers asset management, wealth, and retail investing for the FT. Thanks, Arjun. Thanks for having me, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.